Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. Hey, hello, everyone, and welcome to Over the Ball as we continue to quarantine. And maybe you've hit stage two in your in your town or state. It's crazy out there, but we've got some soccer. Kevin Flynn alongside soccer journalist and producer Sam Griswold and media executive Grail Hallett. Today on OTB, we check in with Grant Wall. He's, uh, of course, the host of his new podcast, Football with Grant Wall. That rhymes, by the way, which kind of rhymes, kinda, right? That rhymes, guys, doesn't it? Football yeah, Wall. Grant Wall? Yeah. yeah. Ball, yeah. And, ball and wall? Yeah, last ball time. Ball and wall. That was a, a rhyme. <laughs> just checking, making sure you guys are awake and alive wow. over there. Wow. <laughs> he's, uh, he's covered the games at both foreign and domestic, as they say, for Fox uh, and also uh, till recently, Sports Illustrated. So we want to ask him about that. It's always great to talk to Grant. So, guys, before we get going, what are you over and over the ball today? Uh, Grail? I'm, I'm, I'm over uh, Olivier Giroud never getting the proper respect. I d- I've always been a big fan. I think he's been, you know, Chelsea signed him for another year. I think he's a, just a great piece in the puzzle that they're building there. And, uh, you know, I, I just I'm always impressed by what he does. I think don't you think Lampard's giving him his due? Because, yeah, he, uh, he, he, he is. Really- but there's still naysayers out there for some reason. He's he's just always been a polarizing player wherever he's played. He, my uh, my Arsenal friends never liked him when he was at Arsenal. I've got Chelsea friends who don't think he's good, you know. Uh, I, I, I've always I really like him. him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. great target man, great in the air. Uh, I think the only knock against Giroud is just uh, his mobility. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I, boy, you got a nice strong center forward like that. It's uh, it's uh, a gift really. Sam, what are you over? Yeah, I'm over uh, the fake crowd noise that's being pumped into uh, game. Uh, you just took mine, dude. I you just know, took mine. Well, first of all, <laughs> I know this is a U-turn on my part because I originally liked it when watching the Bundesliga right. games, but now that Serie is back and I've been watching that and I can actually understand what the players and coaches are saying on the field, uh, I think it's very interesting. Um, and I would rather listen to that. And, you know, I know it's a unique moment, um, but I think it's uh, I think it's cooler. Bundesliga was fine for me because I don't speak German, but now I, I don't want it. Oh, uh, so you're showing off with your little Italian knowledge there. I think, you know, look, you're right, Sam. I was uh, I. I was just so happy soccer was back. I liked to hear the players talk to each other. Then I liked the crowd noise. Now I just miss the crowds. I, I just really do. And I know we can't go there. Um, we all have to respect this pandemic. And uh, some people are respecting it. Some people aren't. And I think it's amazing soccer is out there sort of blazing the trail on how sports are going to uh, open back up. I mean, I, I wonder if... NFL and, uh, you know, all, some of these other sports at Major League Baseball, are they going to take a page from how soccer has done it? Because each country has done it a little differently, right, guys? Yeah, the, the NFL is so problematic just because of the numbers of people associated with the team, the players, the coaches. I mean, just a massive yeah. number of people. So that to me is going to be difficult. It would, interesting. I wonder what it would be like watching an NFL game. Uh, with just the sound, with the players hitting. I mean, the amount, you know, how the, the sound of getting hit and how the they're players are pumping talk to in crowd noise. I mean, Joe oh, Buck already said that they're planning on pumping in crowd noise for NFL games. So, well, it's what's it been so like? Up. What's it been like in the Premier League? Because I haven't watched any games. So they've been pumping. I, they do. You have the option of uh, you can essentially they'll pump in the sound or you can uh, go to an app and have it without the sound. Okay. I actually, I'm, I like the sound. Okay. I just All like right. the sound because it's closer to what I'm used to. And I, and I didn't like the sound of the ball clanking around the stands and then, you know, coaches yelling and, you know, I, yeah, I, I didn't like, I, I like the sound of the crowd. Though I tell you, I love that sound of the ball hitting the post at the cross. <laughs> clanking yeah. around the stands. The All right. So talking about the premier league, uh, the EPL, let's, uh, let's get to it. Over the ball is brought to you by ticket IQ. Go to ticket IQ for your cheapest tickets anywhere. When MLS comes back and we can actually watch some games and by soccer America, go to socceramerica.com slash join and sign up for soccer America's pro membership. All right, guys. So the big, big news, the uh, premier league monkey off the back of Liverpool, uh, very convincing win. And then uh, of all people, Chelsea and uh, Christian Pulisic 
put them over the top. What, what are your thoughts, guys? I, 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 well, I received texts from several of my Liverpool fan friends thanking me on behalf <laughs> of Chelsea. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, you, you had nothing to do. They should thank no, Mr. No, no, they, they said, hey, Grail, thanks to Chelsea, as, as if I work for the club. Uh, but uh, no, it was, look, it was, uh, it was well-deserved. Even as a Chelsea supporter, I'm like, they, they've played the best across the entire season. It would have been a total shame if the season had been shut down and, and you know, and they were denied that. So uh, all props to them. They played great against Palace a few days ago. And then and then the irony, of course, is Pulisic, who played for Klopp at Dortmund, uh, scored what ended up being the decisive goal and kind of putting Liverpool through to the, the title. So, uh, yeah, it was – He was he was magic. You know, he does uh, – you know, they try to put him in the center when he plays for the national team. And I, I like him out wide. He has those those burst bursting runs. And that, that goal he scored was was fantastic. It was breakaway speed. Was he really uh, well done, not only yeah. breakaway speed – speed but then um sort of change of speed where he just uh yeah you know, the stutter the step the stutter yeah. step flinny when mendy closed on him and yeah. he just paused and then he just went right around him i mean it was such it was such a horrific gaff by man city in the back but, yeah, again, but usually you don't get punished that badly oh no, well i mean ballistic speed and then honestly his poise to just kind of curl it low around ederson was really impressive Picture perfect, and I think yeah. uh, you're looking at the replay from behind. You, yeah. you realize like he that was about the only place he could go. It was perfect. It was a perfect finish. Yeah, uh, and a great lead up to to the goal. Sam, Sam what did uh, you've been watching Premier League? Uh, no, I haven't. But uh, <laughs> yeah. there he goes. My Sam God, even, there's just too much going on as he quarantined. Sam, Sam didn't know it had happened when I talked to him this morning. He goes, what Liverpool? What? What's this well, Premier League you speak of? <laughs> well, I'm going to go back to something I said. I think it was last show or a couple of shows ago. Um, that you know, I think the Serie A looks very good on TV with no fans because there's never anyone in the front rows anyway in those games. So it essentially why? Why is that? Well, because you have these old like bowl stadiums with a track right. around them, and if you're yeah. at field level, right. you can't see anything. So people want to be higher up. Um, yeah, I wait, you're waiting to see like Jesse Owens run around that, uh, that <laughs> yeah. around the fields. <laughs> but I turned on a Premier League game for like two minutes one morning. And, um, you know, the Premier League, I think, looks the best on TV in normal times because the fans mm -hmm. are right on the field and you really get a sense of the atmosphere. But now it looks the worst because these seats are right there and they're so glaringly empty. Um, that's my only takeaway. Congratulations to Liverpool. Yeah, All I kept thinking of, Sam, to that point was how much money, you know, banner companies are making for all those massive banners they put over the seats. Now, you notice yeah, that yeah. in all the clubs, they have the, you know, big Chelsea banners and Liverpool banners just to cover up the seats yeah. um, to make it look a little, a little bit less uh, depressing, frankly. Yeah, but, but big, uh, big celebrations from what I've seen, you know, the photos that I've seen. So it doesn't look like people are too worried about. You know. I didn't want to be Debbie Downer, but when I was watching that celebration afterwards, and I get it, it's been 30 years, but my first thought was, yeah. I did not see a mask in a crowd of thousands of people yeah. drinking, lighting off fireworks, et cetera. And I get it, it's been a long time, but uh, there could be consequences to that celebration. Yeah. yeah, I think Liverpool fans are like, hey, I'm going to take my chances. This only happens yes. once every 30 years. So I'm going to risk my health for this big win. Uh, I think what was a, a, you know, it was a wonderful uh, performance by Liverpool. I mean, against Everton, there was a little a doubt of, you know, because they hit a hiccup before, yeah. before this whole shutdown with That's Champions right. League and, and everything else. They weren't playing in the dominating fashion that they had been. But boy, they crushed Crystal Palace. And, you know, every goal was fantastic. It was just a... You, missed a, you missed a great game, Sam. <laughs> it was a feast of goals, Flinny. It was like every type of goal you want, like a, you know, like a, a thunder strike by Fabinho, a great uh, goal by Salah, um, yeah, all of it. What was it, it was just, four, it was just four nothing? Four zip, yeah. yeah four zip. Sounds, sounds competitive. And, and, it, and, yeah. it, and it could have been a lot worse. Right? Sounds competitive. Do you hear the sarcasm dripping off Sam's voice? Um, I, uh, but you know, like let's let's talk domestically how uh, about Polisic though, Polisic, um, yeah, you know, scored about what thirty seconds after. So, yeah, so he said against seven, Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah, he said seven goals in uh, twelve Premier League matches. He he had that that uh, 
adductor injury. He hadn't played since January 1st before he played in the last match when he came on as a sub. And again, I've got to give props, you know, both ways to, to Pulisic and to Lampard. I think Lampard has played it perfectly with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be, he's coming along the way he should be coming along. My only, my only doubt about him long-term is injuries. I just, I'm concerned right. about that because that seems to be kind of an ongoing thing, but he's, uh, it's just terrific to see. We've, we've talked about that before. He yeah. has that sort of those, that thin frame that yes. uh, guys with wheels have sometimes, but yes. they do tend to get injured and that core, those core injuries, it is yes. adductors and abdoms and stuff like that. So, yeah. all right, let's, let's wake Sam up here before um, we, he nods off. <laughs> well, let's, let's get him off to Syria. Come on, let's bring Syria to the conversation. <laughs> I'll keep it topical for a second. Um, <laughs> speaking of Pulisic and, you know, wing players on Chelsea, I saw that Pedro has uh, agreed to deal with Roma. And I'm curious right. as someone who's not really followed him the last few years, what you think of his, you know, prospects going forward at 32 i think he's going to be a good addition sam first of all he's a he's apparently a wonderful guy great teammate great in the locker room he's fit as a fiddle the guy and he has boundless energy he just he was they just had too many other options on chelsea and and i didn't blame him at all because he's not going to get the playing time and i think it was actually you know it's going to it's an amicable parting but i think he'll definitely help I, I think he still has – he's one of those guys who, because he's so fit, he's going to be able to play for, a number, uh, for another three, four years um, yeah. and, and, and play at a good level. So I, I think he, it was a good pickup. He's one of those players who comes on in the, in the 70th minute and just hits it in hyperdrive. So uh, yeah. I, think, uh, I think basically Pulisic maybe pushed him out of the starting lineup originally and then maybe, with, as you said, you know, just a, a a bonus of midfielders there that, um, and that, you know, so I, I, I have liked him. I've enjoyed watching him play. I really yes. have. He always brings enthusiasm. He plays on both sides of the ball. Uh, Sam, how do you think he'll fit in in Roma? I mean, does, does that style of play fit? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, Roma are a pretty open, fun team to watch. They play, you know, they use a lot of wit, like to play down the flanks. So uh, I think he'll be, you know, pretty involved. And, um, you know, there's a long history of guys going to Serie A when they're 32 and finding two or three more, you know, solid years there. So, um, yeah, I think he'll be a good fit. What do you think about Napoli winning the the Coppa Italia? Yeah, I was very happy about this. I mean, speaking of celebrations. uh, Grail, Grail. Sam just woke up, by the way. He's got to get through. Sam's with us. You know, I told you, Flinny, it's good to have that defrib. It's good to have the defibrillator yes. to get it's Sam Serie going. Again. Defibrillator. Well, uh, just to remind everyone, the the Coppa Italia they played the semifinals in the final before they restarted Serie A this past weekend. Uh, so mm-hmm. Napoli ended up winning the Coppa Italia on penalties uh, after it finished zero zero. But um, I thought they were the much better team over the ninety minutes. Huge celebrations in Naples. Uh, did not see many masks or. You know, Ugh. six feet between anybody. Um, uh, Naples, the home of pizza. Yeah. But um, there has been a lot of, you know, talk recently about Saudi um, at Juve and, you know, whether or not he'll be around next season. Um, you know, the media are taking this opportunity, the, the Coppa Italia loss, you know, to really pile it on him and call him the sort of eternal second place manager. Um, so I'm curious to see how that plays out. And they, Juve, I mean, I think they probably will win the title this past weekend. They, they took a four-point lead because Lazio, who were uh, just one behind them, lost. But, um, you know, I don't think it's really worked out for them at Juve. I mean, yeah. the, the sort of revolution where they were supposed to start playing this very European, uh, you know, open possession style, you know, think Man City, think – I mean, think Napoli when Saudi was there two, three years ago. Um, but, yeah, it just hasn't worked out for them. And uh, – you know, I think it's hard to build a team around Ronaldo because he's so good um, on his own that, you know, to, I don't know, it's, it's more about just kind of putting players in the right position to get him the ball than, um, yeah. you know, building a team dynamic. Because he's not a playmaker. That, that's, that's my, that's what I've always, it's not well, that's the right. difference between him and Messi, really. Exactly. That was, that's yeah. what I'm saying is Messi, you know, Messi involves everyone, mm-hmm. whereas Ronaldo, you have to get him the ball. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that's just two very different, great players, but it's a, it's a totally different. Yeah. Deal. I think you've this season have really gotten by on, you know, individuals making plays rather than, you know, a team game. Um, and the guy who's kind of taken the, the fall for it, it seems like is Pjanic in the midfield, um, who was supposed to be this, you know, deep line playmaker who in Sari's system, you know, gets the ball, uh, you know, every second. Um, and he hasn't really quite worked out. So it looks now like they're actually going to do a swap deal with Barcelona for Arthur, the Brazilian. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see how that works out. They had tried to get Jorginho uh, from Chelsea, but that didn't work out. So, yeah, well, sometimes players, you know, they, you know, they just don't fit the style of the team they go to. I mean, Griezmann is a great case in point. He hasn't quite figured it out. He's used to playing off a, somebody like a Giroud for the France national team, right? Mm-hmm. A, a big guy, a point guy who dishes the ball off and Griezmann right. gets the ball in stride. And Barca just plays a totally different style than that. It doesn't mean Griezmann's not a good player. It just means that he may not fit yeah. with that style. So we'll, well see there's, what Yeah, there's putting the style and then, uh, you know, people are expected to adapt so quickly nowadays. Know, right. That's like, one year with Sarri. One year. I yeah. mean, and, and he's out. Yeah. Even Klopp took a little bit of time over Liverpool. Um, yeah. Atalanta is uh, on fire. Yeah, you guys are looking for a fun team to watch. I mean, Atalanta have been, you know, amazing all season long. They're into the quarterfinals of the Champions League uh, and have not missed a beat since the Serie A restart. They scored seven goals over their first two games back, um, (laughs) including beating Lazio 3-2 after going down 2-0 in the first half. Um, I mean, they're just a fantastic story. A great, you know, great individual players. They play fantastically together. and their games are very often like this. I mean, they basically play this sort of straight-up man-to-man system, which means, you know, they're vulnerable and they give up goals, but then they, they find a way to come back and score one more. Mm-hmm. Come back. So uh, La Liga, this is a tight race. Barcelona and Real Madrid swapping, you know, the top spot match yeah, after just, match. Just back and forth. I think it's going to go right down to the wire. It will be the last man standing. But yeah. uh, well, that's exciting, though. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it, no, it's well, that's the way it should be. I mean, that's why I mean, as great as the Liverpool accomplishment was, it was it's kind of been done since December, essentially. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's nice to have that uh, that be open up until the end. And I think it's going to give, you know, Messi a real opportunity to showcase his talents. He had, he had a great first game in the last couple of games. He's been kind of so so. But uh Anyway, um, yeah, it'd be great to talk to Grant about uh, all that. We always enjoy yeah, talking to Grant Walco. He uh, has a good view on on lots of things. Um, Bundesliga, Lewandowski just on fire. Uh, 30rd goal. Yeah, he broke the record. Broke the record for most goals by a non-German. Uh, everybody knows that uh, Lewandowski is uh, from Poland. Poland, and uh, yeah, so he's again. Uh, it's something that we definitely want to get in with, uh, get into with Grant, uh, because he's just having a magical season, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if just his performance alone is good enough to win the Ballon d'Or, because there is no shortage of politics mm. in the Ballon d'Or. Which right, is, right. Sam, you may have this stat, but I mean, how many times has either Messi or Ronaldo won it in the last ten years? I don't know. It's I, some yeah. ridiculous. I think they've won number. nine out of ten. The last yeah, something like that. Ten years. Yeah. Yeah, so once, once you make it, you always get thrown in there. That's the way. That's why I was, you know, talking about Van Dyke. Like all star teams. It was refreshing. Yeah, yeah it was refreshing uh, to see a defender in there. Um, other Americans in the Bundesliga. I wish, I wish Lewandowski was an American, but uh, <laughs> Claudio Reyna's kid, uh, his first start at Dortmund and a great assist uh, again with uh, on Holland there. Hollands. How do you say that name, guys? Holland, um, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I actually didn't see this game, unfortunately, but yeah. um, I know he got the start. I know he had an assist um, and he's been, you know, playing very regularly, kind of usually coming on around the 70th minute, getting 20, 25 minutes at the end of the game. Um, great to see him get a start. Um, I think he's a, yeah, very exciting. So he'll end up playing another two years there, Sam, and then he'll go for a massive transfer fee to somebody else. Just like hey, let's every hope. every good young player comes through Dortmund, Dortmund grooms them and then sells them for an insane amount of money. The Dortmund well, it's, it's called fiscal responsibility, and that's what we try to do amazing. here. At, that's what we do here at Over the Ball. We keep the uh, we keep the budget tight. But it's nice to see these Americans sort of. Um, 
you know, some new guys, some new faces uh, up and coming. So it's uh, yes. encouraging as we think about the national team and moving forward. And uh, Sam, you and I were talking last week. Uh, I was trying to think of, you know, this American kid's name in Bayern. It had just escaped me. And then you reminded me later it was Chris Richards. Uh, yeah. He made his first team debut. Yeah, so he was um, on the bench for the first time and then came on in the 84th minute in the same game Grail was just talking about against Freiburg for Bayern. Um, so he played, yeah, the last you know 10 minutes or so there. Uh, 20-year-old um, from Alabama. Um, I believe he was an FC Dallas um, youth product. And mm-hmm. um, they, They've had a great uh, track record with developing players as yeah. well. Uh, so that was cool to see. And uh, I'll give sports, uh, sorry, uh, Soccer America a little plug here. But um, Paul Kennedy tweeting out that he was the uh, just the third American in the last 50 years to play for a league champion in Europe's top five leagues. Um, and I would never get this, so I'm not going to ask it as a quiz question. But the others are Thomas Dooley, who played for Kaiserslautern. Yeah. Oh, sure. Uh, I remember that. And then Tim Weah, who uh, played for PSG oh. 2018 and 2019. Tim's doing. He's been battling injury at uh, PSG. So um, MLS uh, is back. We could talk to Grant about that as well. Uh, 54-game MLS uh, season. It's planned uh, for Orlando, which is now a a pandemic hotspot right now between July 8th and August 11th. Between Florida or Texas, or Arizona, you couldn't think of three worst places to host any kind of group gathering, let alone a tournament. And it's all the states that opened early. So, you know, yeah. science is not uh, – uh, it just – I'm not even <laughs> – uh, and then the NWSL has had some problems because some of the players went out. They tested positive for COVID. And some of the MLS – NWSL and MLS players, of so, course, because they were out all So the, the Pride, country. the Orlando Pride can't even play in the NWSL Challenge because they have uh, six players and four staffers. And then – you know, interestingly about that tournament is no Rapino, no Heath, no Press, no, no Lloyd, and no Morgan for various reasons. But you're losing like five marquee, marquee uh, players. players in that tournament. <laughs> so that's too bad. And I tell you, uh, you know, boy, those teammates have got to feel bad for each other. I mean, they, you know, they're probably pissed at the other players who went out. I don't know, sure. um, you know. I was. I probably would have been one of the players who went out to the bar and, and uh, got in trouble. But it's sort of sort of selfish if you think about it. So it's unfortunate your whole livelihood. And I think sometimes young players uh, always do um, some dumb things. What was it? Was it Kyle Walker who had a couple of prostitutes? Uh, yeah. In his Kyle uh, had you know, during, Kyle the, had a during the big lockdown missteps. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing, Flinny, uh, regarding women's soccer is the uh, 2023 Women's World Cup bid went to Australia and New Zealand. Which I great. know they're I like gonna, that. They're going to do it. They did a dual bid. Um, Japan had pulled out. Um, Brazil had pulled out. I think I don't even know how you could have done it in Brazil anyway with what's going on there. And it, so it came yeah. down to Colombia and then the joint Australia New Zealand. Been very happy for Australia and New Zealand. I think it's a great choice. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, and yeah, I, I like that, that they'll do it right. And um, it'll be it'll be fun to watch. So and, yeah. and they also support their. Uh, their team quite well yes. you know there, there's questions with brazil about whether they actually get behind the women's national team as they should so um here's something guys it's a bit of a jump but uh, t- two things i wanted to talk about quickly um we're talking a little bit domestic soccer uh d3 so you two are very familiar with this uh, <laughs> bowden bowden college canceled all four s- fall sports for 2020 Classes are for sophomores, juniors, and seniors will be 100% online. So they're only bringing the freshmen on and no sports. Uh, What do you think about that? Well, since I am a reporter as well, I was on the phone um, just before. I was actually texting uh, with Alex Elias, the coach of Middlebury, another NESCAC Mm -hmm. school. Former uh, guest here on Over the Ball? Yes, yes. Our friend Alex, and he was saying that they're still at Middlebury. They're waiting to hear what what the word is for the fall. They are committed to have uh, students come back for classes in the fall, but no word uh, on sports yet. But it'll be interesting if the other NESCAC schools follow suit with Bowdoin and decide to cancel the fall sports, which would just be so crushing 
for all it's a bit crushing but kids you know it's just uh everything look we're talking yeah. uh, daughters going through no proms no graduation sure. this is just the trickle down effect with the pandemic and so uh i think schools are in trouble because they need that tuition money they need that room and board money uh but they don't want to push too hard or too fast because if they endanger uh the welfare of the the population it's kind of scary and then sort of your sports teams become um you know, superfluous at that point or a second yeah. tertiary sort of consideration. I think the bigger problems are the schools that have these big football teams that fund so much of what's going on and uh, they won't be able to play with big yeah. stadiums. By the way, did you just use the words superfluous and tertiary in the same sentence? I, I, I am, I'm sorry, but I'm gasping for air that a UMass graduate used those two words in the same sentence. I am Dumbfounded. Oh. <laughs> you know, D1 guys actually can, uh, can you know, we have a thesaurus. What's another so name? Impressive for, for another, so impressive. What's another word for thesaurus? That's what I want to know. <laughs> uh, so, um, and then also go back, uh, FIFA, surprise, surprise, uh, Infantino appears to be in some hot water, internal investigations. Oh looking God. at God. use of a private jet. Now, look, uh, so three pr uh, criminal complaints have been filed in Switzerland. So is this the same old, same old? But I got to tell you guys, just to to charter a jet doesn't seem egregious enough. Thinking about well, the history of egregious acts, uh, there's another word you could say. I've got yeah, of egregious, got superfluous, like and tertiary. Mr. SAT word here. But I think you, it doesn't seem like in the scope of things as as corrupt as FIFA has been in the past. That this is what yeah. you want to get them on. I'm sure there's more. Uh, it may be the tip there. of the iceberg. I don't know. Whenever I hear this stuff, I'm like, you know, they had a meeting somewhere in. I don't know, was Central America or South America and their KLM flight got canceled. So they said, hey, why don't we hire a private plane and fly back? And uh, apparently it, it exceeded the, the amount on their per diem or whatever it was. But yeah, who, who knows what it is. But the fact that given the history of what went on with Sepp Blatter and stuff, that Infantino wouldn't even, like wouldn't occur to him that this might be problematic. I don't know. It's just, I, I it's just, Sam, Sam, what do you think? Do you think it rises to the level of, uh, you know, no, but I, out or no, they but find I, themselves or what do they do? Yeah. I, no, I mean, I don't think it's super egregious as you said, but, um, Hey, 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 that's my word, dude. But, but it my is word, tertiary. Man. Don't be using my words, man, on OTB. I think that's how these things work, right? I mean, don't they always get, like, a mob boss on, like, a traffic violation and then, you know, everything <laughs> yeah. else comes down? I mean, it's, it's nice. I'm, I'm, spooling, I'm spooling the ball of thread, and then, then there's, like, a ball of yarn, and then there's, like, 15 other things that they've done. Oh, a good comparison. Infantino to Capone. I like that. They get him on tax evasion or something. So, uh, all right. Well, we got a lot to talk about. It's great that uh, that footy is back and we're able to watch some games. Certainly different viewing habits. We're all sort of getting used to with the fake crowd noise, no crowds, uh, players uh, not even being able to really celebrate in the, in the way they've celebrated. But Hey, overall, it's back and we're happy about that. So, uh, so let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk to our friend, uh, the Great Grant Wall, great, the Great Wall of China. That's a great, the Grant Wall of China. Yeah, that doesn't that rhyme, by the way. That doesn't rhyme. No, exactly. That, that would have been. I mean, we think of a play on words for his first. But pop. it is, but uh, it is tertiary. It is tertiary. tertiary uh, a tertiary consideration <laughs> at this juncture in time. All right, you listening to Over the Ball? Stick around. Coming up next, uh, football with Grant Wall podcast star Grant Wall. All right, joining us now on Over the Ball, a friend of the show. At least he's our friend. I hope he's he thinks we're his friends. Yes. He's got a great podcast called Football with Grant Wall. And wow, just had a great interview with uh, by the man, the myth, the legend, Jurgen Klopp. Uh, welcome to the show. You were with Fox Sports for a long time, uh, Sports Illustrated for a long time. You kind of uh, filled in the American public of what was going on domestically and internationally. But the band's gone solo now. You're out on your own. How's uh, How's it going? You know, it's going well. Uh, I've really enjoyed doing this podcast on my own uh, twice a week, uh, starting, it was, I guess, mid-May. And, you know, like this is what I enjoy most in, in is doing these types of, of interviews with prominent figures in the sport. And one of my goals 
was to, to get really prominent people, uh, both from the US, but also from global soccer. And so to be able to, to get Jurgen Klopp was, uh, I thought I might have the chance to get big names, but you never really find out until you try and do it. And so uh, to get Klopp was great. Uh, he's fantastic, as you know, uh, in terms of being an inter- a great interview, someone yeah. who um, just there's so much feeling and everything that he does. And I've been lucky enough now to interview him twice uh, in the past year uh, for a Sports wow. Illustrated magazine story last October. I was in Liverpool for, spoke to him for an hour, spent a week there, got a sense of where he fits in the culture of the city of Liverpool. Uh, which is, you know, even, they love him even more now, obviously, that they've won their first Premier League title ever and their first league title in 30 years. Um, And it also says something about him, like that he was, you know, willing to come on my podcast, which is just getting going. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think there was a a nice element of of respect shown there by him to me. So, I mean, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to dance around it. I got fired by Sports Illustrated on April 10th. Um, they have new ownership in the, in the last year and it's not the sports illustrated that, uh, that you guys and and me love. And Mm -hmm. so basically they are about clicks and quantity and less about quality these days and they don't value quality as much. And I I think I, I think I represented that pretty well for 23 years there. I think, I think Grant in a big way, you were the gold standard for a lot of us, uh, that would follow it. And then, I mean, you, you know, you talk about uh, things at halftime at, on Fox. You always had a scoop internationally, domestically. And that's a lot of hard work. And I think, especially in soccer, where there's not a big infrastructure built for that, that sort of thing, you were, you were sort of a trailblazer. So I think, I think the industry has changed. And, and so let's see where the chips, uh, chips fall with Sports Illustrated and, and, yeah, and I, the industry itself. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, I care about the name Sports Illustrated. I care about the people, my writer colleagues, editors who are still there and want them to succeed. Right. Um, and, you know, in terms of my situation, I feel really optimistic right now that in the next couple of months, I'm going to have a full-time national gig that I'll, I'll be doing and that I want to mm. do television again. And it's a changing media industry. You've seen, you know, one of the reasons I didn't want to extend with Fox and chose not to last year was because they lost so much in terms of soccer rights. You right. know, all they've got basically is the world cup and, and half of MLS uh, for the next few years, but they have no more European soccer um, after this season, after this weekend. And, and so you're seeing other places like CBS get UEFA champions league and NWSL. And so it's still, there's just like musical chairs in a way, but the sport of soccer will still be able to be viewed in the United States. It's just maybe on different platforms. Right. Uh, Grail. Yeah, well, full disclosure, Grant and I were colleagues at Sports Illustrated, and I, we should always feel good, Grant, that you were pushing the beautiful game on the editorial side, and I was a very lonely voice pushing it on the business side of the equation. But over time, we wore them down. And, and I think Sports Illustrated really got to the point through, you know, through your great writing, too, where they, they embrace soccer. And, in spite uh, of Frank DeFord. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, must, you must be pleased just looking back on your, the role that you played in really kind of initially bringing SI kicking and screaming into the uh, acceptance of soccer. Yeah. No, I think so. Um, you know, and it's very much a digital sport, uh, soccer in the U.S., I think in part because it's younger people who are fans mostly in this country and they consume mostly on digital not print magazines so i don't think the sports illustrated print magazine side ever really fully embraced it like we did some fun stuff over the years mainly around the world cups Mm -hmm. men's and women's yeah um never quite got things over the line on the the print magazine side soccer wise but digitally you know the last five to six years that I was at Sports Illustrated, 80 to 90% of my work was digital, whether it was mm-hmm. writing podcast video. Mm-hmm. And soccer was a cornerstone, is a cornerstone still, I think of that strategy, no matter what the current head operator thinks about the sport, based on what he said, that he didn't value my contributions. He said this publicly uh, when he fired me. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's a signal to soccer people that's not great. 
Um, but we'll see where SI goes with it moving forward. Well, as my we mother value, used to, as my mother we used value to say, you, Grant. Yeah, my mother used to say, uh, forgive him, Lord, he know not what he speak, that guy. So, uh, so um, you know, I think uh, like your, your interview with Jurgen Klopp, these are the personalities that are out there that are, are uh, great. And this, this Liverpool story, the connection with sort of the Red Sox and Tom Warner, and, and uh, it's sort of starting to meld all together. And I think when people hear interviews with someone like Jurgen Klopp, uh, it starts to grow the audience a little bit more. You know, you, you mentioned how he is as a person. Uh, and as uh, you know, for, as a player, as a former player, you'd be like, I want to play for that guy. Mm -hmm. That's that's one of the things he gives them hugs. He seems like a team player, and uh, that came across in your interview. Um, he seems like a team player. Guys want to play for him, and I think to contrast that with someone like Mourinho, who, if anything goes bad, he starts starts laying it on the players. Um, so that, that, so that's interesting to me because, like, ten years ago, I don't think Mourinho was that way. I think he has become yeah. that way. Mm -hmm. over the last 10 years and that's also been part of the issues he's had losing the dressing room after three years basically everywhere he's gone everywhere he goes yeah in the last decade but I remember I did a big story on Mourinho for SI back in 2011 and so at that point he had just you know he had just gone to Real Madrid had just taken Inter to the Champions League title which they didn't really have the talent to win but they did somehow and it was sort of Mourinho at the height of his powers. And I remember when he left Inter, there's this famous YouTube clip, you should look up if you haven't seen it, of Marco Materazzi, you know, of Zidane headbutt fame. Yeah. Um, like breaking down and crying and hugging Mourinho when he, they saw each other as Mourinho was leaving uh, Inter. He made that decision to go to Real Madrid. And when I wrote that story, I talked to Didier Drogba, I talked to other, other players. They were like, aside from a very small group, players loved the guy. Even mm -hmm. for, former players loved the guy. Yeah. That's not the case now, right. which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the odd thing, Grant, about him is, I don't know if you saw that press conference last week where he basically itemized all the strikers who had played for him and how many goals <laughs> they'd scored. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's an odd thing because the guy who's accomplished so much his record speaks for himself and you're going to have some players who like him, some who don't like him, but he doesn't need to defend his record. And, and it's like, to your point, I feel like as he's gotten older, he's gotten more and more defensive and kind of paranoid. Yeah. And I think that's based on maybe, uh, you know, not getting the results he was getting before, mm -hmm. you know, I, when was the last time Mourinho had a champions league run? Yeah. It's gotten a lot harder. And plus, at, at that level, it seems like it's become more of a, you have to become more of a psychiatrist than a coach. And balancing all these egos, balancing these big budgets, uh, bringing in players for huge amounts of money, then you're pressured to play them, and they're not playing well. Uh, you know, the pressure is uh, incredible. So, so, Grant, what do you think of the restart so far? What are, your, what are your feelings about what's going on? I've enjoyed having soccer in my life again. Yeah, I do um, too. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I missed it. Like, it's still a little off. Like, it's not to like, it, not in a bad way, but like, there's just so much going on in the world that's so important right now. Right. You know, and and we're still in a pandemic, and and the Black Lives Matter protests are are still happening, and for good reason. And yeah, yeah. And so, it against that backdrop, it's a, it's just different. And obviously, the empty stadiums mm -hmm. and yeah. fake fan noise and fake crowds and um, but at the same time, like when I saw Lionel Messi play for the first time again, I mm -hmm. had real joy watching right. that game less than the last couple of games. Cause he hadn't done anything, but, um, uh, but like, you know, just to, to be a part of that, to see Liverpool win the title to, you know, hopefully fingers crossed, see the NWSL come back in the U S on Saturday mm -hmm. and right. MLS soon thereafter. And, and so, like we have this period right now where pro soccer is basically the only team sport happening globally until right. the end of July. And I do think there's an opportunity there for new eyeballs in America to the sport, I think. And, and, and that's not a bad thing, but um, you know, like it's a little piece of humanity coming back. And, and so do I feel good about that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. You know, I, I tell you with everything that's going on in the world, it's uh, it is, 
it's horrible, but now this little bit of respite I've gotten from watching these games. Uh, we talked about it uh, the last time you were on, um, how generally sports bring us together and, and help you distract with what you're going through. And, uh, but it's interesting because I've watched a couple of games now. I, in the beginning, I loved watching with no fans because you heard what the guys were yelling to each other on the pitch. Uh, kind of felt me like these really high-end training sessions that are you know, really intense. But I got to say, this past week with the Liverpool game and then the Chelsea Man City, uh, Man, uh, City game, fantastic game games and i would have loved to have seen fifty thousand people uh you know to watch what was going on there i miss it now now i miss the crowds uh i've had my soccer so now i'm, I'm missing the crowds uh grail and yeah grant grant don't you in a way think we were fortunate uh as a global sport to have the bundesliga kind of lead the way because i just feel like it's such an organized entity uh -huh. that the fact that they got it right kind of with their template allowed the other global leagues to kind of follow suit i'm just curious what your thoughts are about that well i mean like the german country got the virus yes. better than the rest of us <laughs> right uh, so that's what that's an understatement it. that's an understatement <laughs> didn't, didn't everybody <laughs> you know yeah i mean so i that's why the bundesliga was able to come back first among mm -hmm. major leagues. And I do think it was really important that they didn't have any positives and they still haven't, as far as I know, yeah. uh, in, in the Bundesliga. And so they haven't had to, to sideline an entire team or adjust the schedule as a result of that. And, you know, they're going to finish up this weekend and really they've been the blueprint. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, you see England so far, fingers crossed, is going okay. And that was a bigger concern for me because, you know, the UK has been almost as bad as the US, not quite mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to the virus. So um, like that's, that's why as we transition now into US sports coming back, mm -hmm. I just, I just, you know, we've already seen with the NWSL, this whole Orlando pride situation where they can't mm -hmm. go to their tournament because their players went out to a bar and got the virus and like, so already the U.S., you know, like restart is going worse than, right. than other countries. And so like, man, I, 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 just, I just hope NWSL goes okay from here and that MLS gets it right. But MLS is going to Orlando where cases are starting to skyrocket. Skyrocket yeah. in Florida, yeah. And I they're mean, gonna, they're going to be like, they're supposedly in a bubble, but the hotel workers can leave the bubble. And, and so you're just kind of like, I don't know, man. <laughs> the burst bubble. <laughs> the NBA is down there as well. And then, you know, with the, with the players going out to bars, I mean, I guess that's just basically, you know, the young being young. Uh, Ron DeSantis said it was okay as well. Yeah. Yeah, you know, right. He, he's, he's done a fabulous job. Uh, well, sarcasm doesn't play well on podcast grills. <laughs> 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 Sam, Sam, what do you got? Yeah, um, Grant, you're mentioning, you know, new eyeballs on, on the game now. And I'm someone who doesn't really watch the Bundesliga very much in, you know, peacetime, let's say. Um, but I've been watching, <laughs> obviously, like everybody has. Um, and I, like a lot of people, am just blown away by how good Alfonso Davies is playing for Bayern. Um, and I'm just curious if you can think back or compare, like, any other North American player having this big of an impact their first year playing. In right America. away, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I think the short answer is no. Um, I wasn't around like for Hugo Sanchez, uh, who was a North American player and like what he did when he went, you know, first went to Europe. So I, I would need to like do some research on that one. But in terms of like what I've seen over the years, you know, like I think the way Chicharito Hernandez went straight to Man United and Tim Howard went straight to Man United mm -hmm. and, and played a lot. And, and mm -hmm. you know, I thought Tim Howard, you know, had a pretty good first season uh, at Man United, just the fact that he started after going there from the Metro Stars. Um, but I don't think those are on the level of what we've seen from Davies. And I remember when Davies signed with them, my concern was that Bayern was going to loan him out, that they weren't even going to use him, you know, yeah. keep him with the team. And not only did they not loan him out, but then they switched his position and then you're like, oh, man, I wonder how long it's going to take him to figure that out. And the answer was not long. <laughs> and, and it's incredible. I mean, like, he's, he's 
like one of the most valuable players. If you look at like what his transfer value is right now, it's through the roof. And if it's Bayern, I, I, you know, and it makes me feel better, Grant, because you remember that game, I think it was in Toronto against the U.S. national team. It was a man playing among boys. I mean, he was taking on three, four players at a time, and you could tell they were on their heels. And, and I thought, this guy's unbelievable. But who would think that he would rise to this level so quickly at, uh, at, at Bayern? You know, it's uh, wonderful to watch. Yeah, it really is. And so I, I'm curious to see if Serginio Dest gets signed by Bayern or if he chooses Barcelona. Like, if he's on, like, as a you know, right back and Davies at left back, I mean, that would just be incredible. And, and you see also Jonathan David, Canadian player, one of the most attractive transfer targets in Europe. And, and suddenly Canada is really looking promising for, for the years ahead. That looks like a team that, you know, potentially, well, obviously they got to qualify for 26, but potentially could qualify for 22. Have you talked to Alfonso Davies? Have you ever interviewed him? Yeah, I interviewed him here in New York um, about a year ago, um, and he had signed with Red Bull, so like Red Bull arranged it. But it was um, he had, he was just about to get his braces off. It reminded me how <laughs> how young he was. I know, you know, I know. it's it's and, depressing for us old men to watch a young whippersnapper like that. Uh, oh, so like, you got to get him back on uh, Grant uh, football with Grant Wall. You got to update. I, I've, that I've been trying. I've been trying. Uh, it'll be interesting with German Germany based players because you know after this weekend, I think they're going to lay low as low as possible for uh, a while, unless they have to do some some promotional stuff. So that's I always try and there's different ways as you guys know to try and get interviews arranged, and so I'm always trying to find you know, whatever way possible. And, and in, in soccer, especially, it's sometimes you go through the club, sometimes you go through uh, the agent or the shoe company or some other sponsor. It can get, it can get pretty interesting. And sometimes I just like, if I have a relationship, just text them, Hey, you want to come on the show? I always, uh, my interview story was uh, when I went to Europe for the, the cup that was going to be in France, uh, I'd set up an interview with George Best when I was working for ESPN. And I'm like, Oh, Bestie, I'm going to get to talk to Bestie. And then just before, the night before, I, I'm, I call the, the Irish Football Association to arrange it. And they're like, all right, yes, that's right. Yep, mm -hmm. 30,000 pounds. And um, then he'll show up. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> the last minute, I, I'm like going through my pockets looking for 30,000 pounds. <laughs> well, Grail? Yeah. Um, so just based on the, uh, their current form grant, who do you like better in Champions League? Uh, Bayern, Munich, or Man City? I mean, if there wasn't going to be a long layoff for Bayern, I would say Bayern. Mm -hmm. But they're going to be off from this, you know, this weekend mm -hmm. uh, to uh, August. Right. And so I think that's going to be a real challenge for them. And do I think they'll get prepared? Yeah, they're Bayern. Um, but I think that's not the easiest thing. And then with Man City presuming they get past Real Madrid and they're in a pretty good spot up a goal uh, into the return leg, um, then I, I, I would probably lean toward Man City at this point. I think there's also, mm -hmm. like, not only are they playing, well, they didn't play great against Chelsea, but yeah. uh, in general, they played pretty well. And I just think the incentives are there. You know, this might be Guardiola's last season. They might get banned for two years. Mm -hmm. Like as of now, they are from Champions League, and so it's now or never. Yeah. And I think the players realize that. And I think a lot of the players, if that ban ends up being upheld, even if it goes down to one year, a lot of those players are going to get out yeah. of there. Sure, yeah, they could lose. Brian already said he was going yeah. to. Yeah. So, um, Sam. Yeah, I'm curious, Grant, what you think about Lewandowski's shot at the Ballon d'Or this year. Um, I feel like a lot of people, myself included, are kind of surprised when we look at the odds and see him down at, you know, five or six behind guys like Messi, Ronaldo, De Bruyne. Um, I don't know. Do you, think he, do you think he has a shot or is he too one-dimensional? I mean, if we were choosing today, I think he would probably be my choice, you know? I mean, like, so if that's the case, then, yeah, he's too far down. But there's so much that remains to be decided, mm -hmm. especially with this sort of unique Champions League situation of an 18 knockout tournament in August. And if it's like previous years, whoever wins that is going to get a huge boost in the Ballon d'Or. Mm -hmm. 
mm -hmm. voting. And so um, because Bayern wins every year in Germany, it, it's, you want to reward him for that. You want to reward Lewandowski for, I think he set a record for the most goals in, like in a, in a season in the Bundesliga, didn't he? Or, or something close to it. It was like 30, 30 some. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a machine. And I think at this point, it's no longer novel to say best center forward in the world. He has been for a long time mm -hmm. actually now. Um, and then the question becomes, can he break through this Ronaldo Messi stranglehold? And I, I just think in the end, it's going to be Champions League that, that sort of decides that. Yeah, and last year was interesting even because Van Dyke sort of entered into the picture a little bit, which I thought was healthy. You know, a complete player or a great defender that turned the oh, team yeah. around like that. Yeah. Uh, Grail? Grant, I was wondering if you had any uh, insights into the uh, Turner Sports bailing on their Champions League broadcast deal, which is so highly unusual since I'm on that side of the business. Right. I can speak to that, which is the when you have a three-year deal and you basically say, we're out, and now UEFA has got to scramble to find a new partner. Yeah, I'm just curious if, you, if you've heard any rumblings about what precipitated that. I still want to hear more, like, yeah. because I don't know sort of the inner workings that led Turner to that decision, but I almost feel like it's an underplayed story. I feel like for soccer fans, Turner should just be getting killed right now. Yeah. And like everything, like, this is an example to me. Like I worked with Kate Abdo and, and Stu Holden at Fox. They're really talented, but mm -hmm. I, I still think, and I learned this myself, like over time, if you don't have very good producers yep. who don't know the sport, and I think Turner, that was the case, that changes everything. And it really hurts the quality of, of a show, even if you have good talent in front of the camera. And so I, I just feel like Turner committed the sin from the start of not doing what NBC did with the Premier League, where with NBC, it's all about the game, the game, the game. Yep. and 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 just getting that right and respecting it and treating your audience like adults and not trying to cover it in some different way than you would cover any other sport at the highest level. That's always been a problem like with editors at publications who yeah. think that we should cover soccer somehow differently than we cover other US pro sports leagues, which is, right. which is ridiculous. Because if you treat people like adults, they, res they respect that. That's what NBC has done. NBC is also kept their their group together from the start in the studio they have arlo white and his analysts on site in the stadiums and they spend yeah. the money to make that happen and that's stuff that turner just didn't do and I, I do think it's interesting these three-year contracts for champions league or for other soccer leagues really do incentivize whether it's fox sort of Lane, you know, lane ducking the Bundesliga and not having mm -hmm. any studio shows or anything yeah, after the restart. Phoning it in, literally. Or Turner taking it to a new level and just dropping it. You know, not yeah. doing their last year of their contract. They're not even apparently going to show the August tournament. It's like, you guys right. paid for it. Well, like, yeah, UEFA's going to have to really scramble. Yeah. So, like, there's always Spanish language, which yeah. is great because Univision does a very good job, in my opinion, on Champions League and, and mm -hmm. even able to see more of the games without being put behind some additional paywall like Turner did. And I, I, you can tell I get kind of fired up about this because I feel like the sport is not mature enough in the United States to make it more difficult or put additional paywalls up. You want to create new fans. Yeah. Right. So if I was UEFA, I would do what, what, the Premier League does with NBC, I would make it a yeah. six-year contract. Yeah. Because NBC is committed. They're going to invest. It's for the long term. And you won't have a situation like we've seen here with this, these lame duck situations with Fox and Turner. You know, it's, the coverage is interesting because you talk about, you know, some of the stuff I've done, they try to make you cover soccer almost like skateboarding or something like they look at the demographic and they think, well, let's appeal to this uh, group of people. Um, and it's annoying because, as you say, many times your producer comes from tennis or he comes from the NBA or, and they 
uh, they just have a they don't know the game and it's it's uh, it's very difficult. So yeah, um, yeah, and I think I think Turner tried so hard to be contrarian that it was almost painful to watch. They tried to be so cool and so relaxed to the point of almost being ill prepared. I mean, it was just whenever I would tune in, I'd be like, you know, give me the guy in the or the woman, you know, give me a more well dressed person who's actually sitting up straight and delivering meaningful info as opposed to somebody who just sounds like they're, you know, chatting to a, a buddy on the subway or something. I mean, it's just, it was, it was just, it was too cool for school. That's the way I looked at it. I would also like to see, and I'm biased, right? Cause I'm a journalist, but I would like to see in the same way that PTI changed the game for bringing actual journalists and columnists on television and being mm -hmm. very successful. <clears throat> I'd like to see some of that in the soccer space mm -hmm. yeah. uh, on television here, because just because you're a former player doesn't mean you're going to necessarily uh, bring it and, and, and be totally appealing when it comes to analysis or discussion of, of a game. Right. Yeah. And in fact, you know, there's a long history and a long line of former players who come in and out of that booth. And, uh, and it's the other thing, the reason I feel sorry for some of the players sometimes is because you say it takes, you got to get your ups. You got to get a couple of swings at it in a few years. And so uh, it seems like people try one thing one year and then uh, you're done. You, instead of trying to change, make some changes, get, you know, everybody gets up to speed, what works, what doesn't work. Uh, but the pool that they pull from with the players is very small and uh, there's a lot of pressure on them. So the, I always look at, uh, you know, Stu, who had, you know, I worked with at ESPN. Stu shows up everywhere and he's great, but there seems to be no identifiable talent with each network. They, they all use the same sort of pieces sometimes. And um, it, I think it's a little confusing. Well, one thing that's also odd to me is we haven't seen an ex-coach in soccer on television in America who could mm -hmm. be the John Madden yeah. uh, or someone who's even more sort of studious in terms of breaking down the sport. I always thought Roberto Martinez could have been that guy oh because he sort of was for ESPN during summer yeah. tournaments. And I think if he wanted to, I, I think he'd be great coaching the U S men's national team. But I also think like he was also my on football at Grant wall, by the way, uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, he's coaching Belgium, the number one ranked team in the sure. world. Yeah. Um, but he's the kind of guy who I think if he decided to do television could really bring some analysis, uh, that would, you know, like, would be new here. And yeah. It would educate people. I thought Bruce Arena was, was good because, uh, he doesn't hold his tongue. He sort of throws it out there. Some of the things are controversial, but it's, it's, you know, based on real knowledge, uh, and about the, the way Americans grow up and the way we experience the game. So I think you're right. I would love to see sort of coaches. Uh, and I think that that again falls to the demographic. I think the demographic that they see with soccer playing public and then soccer viewing public, I believe is different. So uh, I think, you know, you got to kind of split the difference. So, uh, so with this, with this Turner situation, Grant, would you think that the best uh, outcome would be if CBS can get there you know what together is just jump in earlier and have continuity. Well, I mean, like it makes total sense that CBS would be the one to get it a, a year earlier yeah. than plan mm -hmm. because we know they're getting it for three years. Exactly. Starting in August of 21. Now, do, you know, like if you're CBS and I, I have no idea if they just learned about this Turner situation this week themselves, like they, this August thing is not far away. Like this is a, this is a giant <laughs> tournament. This is a, a, a kind of unprecedented 18 single elimination champions league tournament in Lisbon that should get, should get tremendous viewing from around the world, including in the United States, I think. And yeah. it, for whatever reason, Turner doesn't want to show it, even though they bought it. And so like, does CBS want to jump in that soon? Do they have the, the staff to do it? You know, the people to do it? Is that, going to, the dictate, money? Is that going to dictate what they do for Champions League beyond? I, I don't know. So mm -hmm. there's a lot that remains to be answered here. I just find it odd that 
that it's in such limbo, I guess. Yeah. Stay tuned, man. That's going to be an interesting story because we need, we, we need our Champions League now more than ever. <laughs> uh, we really do. Sam? Yeah, speaking of random summer tournaments, Grant, I'm wondering what you think of the MLS's back cup down in Orlando and uh, you know, how that's all going to play out. I mean, just fingers crossed. You know, we're starting to see a couple teams have already arrived. We're going to see more arrive in the next couple of days. Uh, they're in the bubble, but they don't control the union of the hotel workers. And so I don't know how that testing is going to work with the hotel workers, but um, I, if – if you could choose today, I don't think Orlando would be the place you would do it. No. Um, and so, like, yeah, I mean, it, theoretically, it should, if, if, if everyone's safe, theoretically, it should be okay. It's going to be hot and humid. The games are going to kick off early and late in the day. Um, but, you know, it's going to be a different situation because it's not being played in empty stadiums. It's, it's going to be like, you know, just regular fields, like, you know, so I'm curious to see how that looks on. Oh, it won't look good. It won't on, look good. On I, television. I, Are they going to try yeah. and, and have fake fan noise? I, I don't yeah. know. It'll look like college games, Grant, because they're going to have like more like field level cameras and stuff, I would think. Well, supposedly there's going to be some bells and whistles on the okay. broadcast itself. Now, here's another you know, situation with uh, soccer and TV in America. Fox just this week laid off the very best soccer producer in America, Shaw Brown, who goes back to the early 90s with ESPN, NBC, and Fox. And so that tells you where Fox is coming from these days. Like, they're not prioritizing MLS either. And, and he so, might have a job at CBS coming up. We'll see what happens. I hope. I, yeah. I think Fox should be, or Shaw Brown should be running World Cups. Um, but it's just interesting to see how all this will shake out. Um, but like the soccer itself, I'll watch it, you know? Yeah. I mean, like I, I, I like watching soccer. I, I, I follow MLS. I'm just curious to see how this whole thing unfolds. Good stuff. Well, uh, you know, we, we're loving your podcast. Uh, we cheat. We listen to that and then we figure out what we're going to talk about. So the, <laughs> the, the podcast is Football with Grant Wall. Uh, as always, we enjoy uh, talking uh, with you at football. So you got to get another interview with Alfonso Davies. I want to see, um, you know, how that goes now. Uh, he's, a, he's a young kid. Uh, so exciting to watch. Uh, North American. Where, where was he born? Was he born? Uh, he was born in, a, I think it was a refugee camp in West Africa, um, I think it was in Ghana. I think his family's Liberian. They were refugees. It's an amazing story. Great they were stories, refugees. Yeah. They came to Canada. He, they settled in Edmonton. And you know, he showed a lot of potential early on and then got in the Vancouver Whitecaps system at a very young age, made his MLS debut, I think at 15, and got a citizenship with Canada all squared away to play for Canada. And it's just been a, a rocket ride ever since. And I mean, like this guy is one of the top five left backs in the world right now at age 19. Wow. Why couldn't he have just come into the Americas first? What do we could have used the nice fast left back like that world-class player. Well, Grant Wall, we appreciate so much you, uh, you taking the time to, uh, to talk to us on over the ball. We always enjoy it because, uh, you know more than we do. And boy, uh, I, I think you are, uh, you got to get back on TV. We love you. And, and uh, I think if you had a toupee, you would just own it, man. You would own it. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody could touch you. Grant Wall, hey, Tuesdays at eight, right after MacGyver. <laughs> Grant, thanks so much for talking to us on OTV. My pleasure, guys. Take care. It always great to talk to Grant. Uh, so knowledgeable. I thought his his actual comments on the broadcasting industry, I mean, which he is a part of, yeah. were very interesting. I think uh, you know we always try to reinvent the wheel, and we haven't invented the wheel here yet uh, with American coverage of, of soccer. Um, and they they try you know like TNT. I was yeah. surprised he jumped right on that because that was like 
they were trying to sell sneakers and tight T-shirts um, on, on that, show, that show. What do you think, guys? Well, we, I mean, we've talked to other guests about that, and it, it is um, interesting that it's kind of universal opinion that uh, Turner uh, Turner's studio show just was was not very good, and it was just too casual, and it was you know. It's just, yeah. you know, if you compared it to somebody like NBC Sports Network with what they do with the EPL, it just wasn't even close. Yeah, you know what it reminded me of, um, you know, about how people try to just make it all new and shiny. Uh, I remember yeah. when Conan O'Brien, this is going back years ago, they were like, how are you going to do your talk show? And he goes, oh, I, I kind of want to make some differences, but it's it's a talk show. It's not like we're going to do it underwater in scuba gear. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a format. Uh, that's kind of tried and true and you can try things off of that uh, but you got to have the, the basis for it there and there was some talent on that on that team so uh, it was unfortunate uh, you know Grant went on to say that perhaps it wasn't produced as well which you know looking back that probably uh, makes some sense but that's a story Grant uh, Grail you have to stay up on because yeah uh, where does that Champions League go what's what's well, the deal I mean I, I can't I cannot overstate how how shocking it is for somebody to exit a deal mid deal. Yeah. And, so, and, and by the way, as you, as, as you guys brought up, I mean, it's champions league. I mean, next to the world cup, it's the euros. Biggest, yeah. It's the biggest global soccer term. It's bigger than the euros. It's, mm -hmm. it's next to the world cup and Turner, I, maybe they were looking to save money and they just said, Hey, you know, we got to allocate this, the, this money elsewhere, whatever it is, but it's unheard of to exit a deal midstream. And then, um, you know, my, my feeling though, which I, which I mentioned is that I think the, the best scenario would be for CBS provided they can get their act together quickly. Cause they may not have even hired the talent yet. They weren't mm -hmm. supposed to pick up this deal, I think until 21, 22. So they may be still planning that out, but it would make the most sense. It wouldn't make sense in my mind from an, for an ESPN, to come in on a short-term basis and do that and then step back out. It just yeah. doesn't, doesn't ESPN could do it. They'd be lucky to get it. They, and what they, they could, but, but, but just from a, from a cost standpoint and um, ad revenue standpoint, and stuff, it just doesn't make as much sense. So I, I would think CBS would be the front runner if they can get their act together and they have the finances to do it. But it's, it's, it? it's, it's so stunning that somebody yeah. would do that. I can't even, yeah. I, I well, can't well, Grail, you can, you can probably speak to this, but I mean, what are the numbers like? for these Champions League games? Because, I mean, I think it's easy for us to say, like, you know, why don't they just do, like, a normal thing and just show the game? But, I mean, I remember going up to Bristol to ESPN when I was, you know, a senior in college and meeting with um, – uh, what was the guy's name? Seamus uh, – Yeah, Seamus Mellon, exactly. And kind of him showing me, like, the whole Great soccer guy. setup. Yeah, fantastic guy. Um, you know, but it's like it's hard to get people to care about soccer here because numbers wise, we get less people than world's strongest man competition. So, I mean, I think <laughs> there has to be some element of like we need to do something a little different. Cause right. No one's right. Well, you, you also need remember when Turner got that bid, it was stunning because they'd never done anything in soccer. Yeah. And um, my first question was kind of like, how are they going to handle this? And instead of trying to do something that was more along the lines of the uh, NBC sports network. They probably just said, we got to be different. Yeah. So yeah, you know, in a totally opposite I mean, direction. This is what Grant mentioned. If yeah. you think about that show, they had three and four players, former players together. Now, most yeah. of the other sports do one player, maybe to tell you what's going on in the locker room or what the players might be thinking, not four players. Cause then you're in the locker room and it's like, they're, they're talking like they're in the locker room and there's not enough professionalism there. My other thought is, you know, you look at Lexi, I used to give Lexi a hard time because I say like he would go from the broadcast booth back to coaching. Then he was general manager back to the broadcast booth. It's like, look, it's a difficult job. You have to really learn how to do it. And you know, it's like uh, scrimmaging. You need to get your time to be able to get better and better. And they just threw all these guys together, including Steve Nash, who is a yeah. great guy, a great proponent of the game, a uh, fantastic NBA player. And then he's yeah. in there as well. So, um, so let's, let's hope and be optimistic here and, and hope maybe uh, CBS or Fox or ESPN gets it and we get to see Champions League coverage. So, guys, uh, yeah. all right, we've covered a lot today. Uh, with our friend uh, Grant Wall. As always, it's great to have him on. So we'd like to thank him for joining OTB today. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Soccer America. Go to socceramerica.com slash join and sign up for their pro membership and Ticket IQ, the cheapest way to buy tickets anywhere when 
well, when MLS comes back. For Grail Hallett and Sam Griswold, I'm Kevin Flynn. We'll talk to you next time on OTP.